Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. I'm going to to start uh, by reading from Psalm chapter 16, verse number 11. Psalm 16, 11. It says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so we know, we can extrapolate from this text, and we have for the last several weeks, that joy comes from the presence of the Lord. In your presence is fullness of joy forevermore. This is very important because God is concerned about our joy. He's concerned. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it in the gospel accounts that he wants us to have a fullness of joy. Joy is uh, it's, it's one of those things that makes our stories compelling. If you remember when we gave a list a couple of weeks ago about um, the motivation for softening our heart and the motivation for learning to walk in the presence of God, one of those was a persuasive story. And one of the most persuasive things about believers' stories is our, our ability to have joy in the midst of troubles, in the midst of trials, in the midst of terrible circumstances. It doesn't mean that we don't sorrow and that there's not a heaviness to our life, but because of the person and presence of God in our lives in a tangible way, we can have this joy that that no one else, really no one else can have because it comes from his presence. Knowledge leads to faith, leads to grace, and that leads to action. That That was the thing that I was trying to really drive home last week. What we're doing over these last three weeks, this week included, is we're trying to arm you with knowledge that will build your faith by which God will pour grace out into your life and then you can act, right? So last week we unpacked six ways to cooperate with God in the area of softening our heart. I'm just going to review really briefly here. One, we acknowledge that God is the initiator of softening our heart. He is the author and finisher of our faith. That's what it says in Hebrews. Uh, God has initiated this softening and, and this should encourage us and give us and give us faith to know that, listen man, uh, if your heart, your heart is, is becoming calloused, it doesn't have to stay that way and that God is on your side and, and we, should, we should have our hearts filled now with gratitude that he has taken action that should increase our faith. And we should remember this. He wants this for you. God wants this for you. He wants his children to have 
a softened heart. To me, that encourages me because there are times where the well seems like it's running dry. There are times where it seems that maybe I've been wandering a little bit. And then I'm reminded God is on my side. God wants my heart to be soft. The second thing we said was, let's, hey, listen, let's, let's pray and ask God to increase his activity in softening our, softening our heart. We need to ask God to give us courage so that we can be open and vulnerable to him and to those who love us. Ask him to point things out that, that we need to work on with him. We're going to actually get into that particular point toward the end of this message because it's absolutely imperative that we begin to ask God to search our hearts. The third thing was we said, look, you have to be intentional. Um, uh, things, Pastor Z, our founding pastor, used to say, you, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. We need to be intentional in our walk with God. We need to be intentional about putting these things into action. We need to be intentional about seeking to sense the Spirit of God in our lives. We need to be intentional about it. You can't just get up and go about your day without praying, without meditating on the Word of God, without considering the person of Jesus. I have taken to finding an instrumental track on my, uh, on my Apple Music subscription, and um, I use that track and others like it to, to guide me or to, to settle me as I pray. And I think this is so, so important that we take some time, uh, whether it's music, maybe you don't like music, maybe you just need silence, jump in the car and drive, but whatever it is to take some time as we begin our day to just think on Jesus and pray. Invite him into your life. He is there. He is on your side. Remember, and so when we pray, we can have confidence and we need to be intentional. Uh, the fourth or fifth thing was look under Jesus. Look to Jesus. And we talk about uh, meditating, and that's what it really means, is to consider him deeply, to ponder Jesus. I've been preaching this, it seems, for all my adult life. The re reality of this is Jesus is here all the time. Spiritually speaking, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is with us all the time. He's not hard to find. He is within you. He is with you, okay? Uh, read and hear the Word of God. Read and hear the Word of God. I would challenge you this, this year. Do not let a single day go by for the rest of this year where you have not read the Word of God. Don't let a single day go by without reading the Word of God. It's where faith comes from. It allows us to reign in our feelings so that they're in their proper place, governed by reason. Faith over feelings means that even if you don't feel God's presence, he's there because he promised that he would be. And finally, act. Act. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. And Jesus said this. More than that, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's Luke chapter 11, 28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's knowledge. It should breed faith in our hearts. And through faith, we should have grace pouring into us. And then we can act on that faith. Now, what I want to do is I want to build on this idea of acting by going to James chapter 1, verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to read through 25. James chapter 1, uh, 21 through 25. Therefore, lay aside 
all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and, and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now I want you to drop down to James chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse number 7. James chapter 4, verse number 7. Therefore submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is a very important passage of scripture. And what it's teaching us is that as we seek to have our hearts softened, and we seek to have the presence of God active and alive and vibrant in our lives, that if there are sins in our lives, things that are out of alignment with the word of God, with the will of God in our lives, then we need to take care of those sins, okay? Sins, again, are things that are out of alignment with the word of God, out of alignment with the will of God, literally breaking the law of God, and doing things that go against our own conscience, those are sin for us. And so what can we do? Sin strips away the joy of the Lord. And so when he says, lament, mourn, and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, if you're a believer in Christ and you're involved in sin and you're still laughing and lighthearted about it, the reality is that that laughter is not joy, not true joy. And that you've forgotten the glory that is the, the experience of the presence of God in your life. I want you to think back to when you first came to Jesus for the forgiveness of your soul. This really defines for me my moment of coming to Christ. Uh, I was heavy with sin. Uh, sin of the thoughts, really, more than, than behavior, but there was behavioral sin there as well. And I remember being so heavy and convicted with that sin that I began to mourn. My heart was weeping over that sin. And I finally turned to God, and he forgave me. So, number one, as we seek to live in the presence of God, we need, we need to have our sins dealt with. Uh, even as believers, although we are positionally, judicially declared not guilty, 
we still sin. And the hope is that as we get older, we will sin less and less and less. But while we're on earth, we're still going to contend with getting out of alignment with God's word and God's will, doing things that are, honestly, that are wicked, as it's said in the scripture. And so what do we do? How do we deal with sin? Um, if you've been a believer for a while, this won't surprise you. Confess known sin. Confess known sin. That is the action to the faith and grace that we've received from the knowledge of the Lord. Contextually, we see what, what James is writing about, that there are things in our lives that come between us and our amazing Savior, our Abba Father, our Father God, and we're called to lay aside anything that comes between us and our Savior, anything that dims his presence in our lives. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 said, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, right? And so James is essentially saying the same thing. Lay aside, cast away the filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and with meekness receive the implanted word of God, right? And so here we are, we're talking about softening our hearts, we're talking about getting into the personal presence of God, and one of the chief barriers to that is unconfessed sin, sin that we are allowing to rule in our lives that has no authority in our lives because Jesus has come and put that sin under his blood. So what do we do? When we are confronted with our sin, it could be lying, it could be a foul mouth, it could be bitterness, it could be betrayal, it could be dishonesty, it could be sexual sin, it could be sin of greediness, it could be the sin of self-righteousness and self-centeredness. What do we do when we are filled with filthiness and an overflow of wickedness? We confess that sin. We must follow through and act on the promise that God has given us. We must perform heart surgery with the aid of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse number 9. Many know it that have been saved for a while, been Christians or believers for a while. And if you're new to the faith, I want you to memorize this scripture because it's absolutely imperative. This scripture will give you the faith, this knowledge of the scripture will give you the faith to receive the grace of God in your present life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. How do we remove the sins that are staining our lives? We confess them freely and openly to the Lord. Confession is, is coming into agreement, for those of you taking notes, confession is coming into agreement with God concerning our thoughts, our actions, and our attitudes. We make the decision to leave those things behind. We allow the word of God, which is implanted in us, to have its way with us. We, as, as, as James said, we submit ourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. We submit ourselves to God and we agree with him that what we have done, even if the culture that we live in, the society that we live in says it's okay, we agree with God that it's not okay. For instance, getting drunk, 
Um, the culture says, hey, go out, party, have a good time. And they laugh at people that get drunk on the weekend and they think it's funny. God said that there is nothing in our lives that is to have control over us but the Holy Spirit of himself, of God. The Holy Spirit is the only thing in our lives that we are to give control, give control to. When we get drunk, the control is given to the, to the alcohol. And so the culture may say, hey, look, drinking's not a big deal. Getting drunk is not a big deal. The Bible says getting drunk is an absolutely horrific deal, and that is a sin, okay? That's just one example. I could give you dozens more. Sex outside of marriage is sin. This culture says it's recreation. The word of God said it's reserved for marriage to unite two people and to give them something unique in that relationship that no other relationship has. Culture says it's okay. God said it's not. And so these things in our lives, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's, as I mentioned, uh, the sin of drunkenness or, or whatever it might be, pride, self-righteousness is one of the most insidious, sneaky sins in the life of a Christian because it can look good. But if you're looking at people from this self-righteous point, if you're looking at yourself and saying God is accepting me because I am good, that's self-righteousness. Righteousness is where we say God accepts me because Jesus is good and he is making me good, okay? So sin, right? We need to agree with God that what he declares sin is sin. That's what confession is. Lord, I agree with you that what I did was wrong. And I'm asking you, best way I know how, to forgive me of this sin and to cleanse me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head of what I have done that is out of alignment with your word and with your will. And, and ask him to cleanse you. See, that the beautiful thing in, in 1 John 1, 9 is he says he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleans us up and it's a beautiful thing. Ask him to just scour you clean, okay? Uh, in James, where he says, let your laughter be turned to mourning, I want us to understand this, right? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That is in the moment of our confession, not for life. Some people think it's for life. Um, it's, it's recognizing that what I have done is wrong, is sinful, is out of the alignment with God's word and God's will. And that should sober us up so that we can deal with it appropriately. But once we confess that sin and ask the Lord to forgive us and cleanse us, we should allow the joy and the presence of the Lord uh, to surround us and we should be immersed in it. And then we should be able to walk on and leave it behind. This is so important. So confession, realizing that what we're doing or that what we've done is stripping us of our fellowship with our Father, right? So it's so important. Don't miss this, Christian. Don't miss this. Uh, the next passage of Scripture we're going to read that's going to take us a little bit deeper into this is Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Psalm 139. 23 
to 24. And it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So in our first point this morning, I'm talking about things that come between us and God. I've called on you and myself to be open with the Lord, to confess those things that we know are out of alignment with his will and his word and to determine, to determine that we're going to walk away from those things and we're going to walk in his ways, right? Um, now we're at, okay, what, a, what if there are things in our lives that we're unaware of? That, that, that we're doing, that maybe they've become habitual and we don't even notice them anymore. Maybe there's things in our lives that are out of alignment with the will of God for us in particular that other people can be involved in, can do, and to them it's not sin, but to us it is because it's going against our conscience, which may have been hardened, right? That part of our heart. And so here we come to the Lord and we say simply, search me, O God. Search me, O God. So here's what I would like you to do. Each morning or each night, go to the Lord in prayer, pause and ponder throughout your day. Every day do this. And as you see things that are out of alignment with God, confess those things immediately. Trust that the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross, the punishment that he took for our sin is potent enough to purchase forgiveness for your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right? So confess all known sin. But don't stop there. So we're talking about getting into a deep and personal relationship with God, deeper than you've ever gone before. That's the purpose of the last three series now. The purpose of, um, the purpose of Expect Jesus in our Advent series, the purpose of Abba Father in our Abba series, and the purpose of this Getting to the Heart series is so that we can walk in a closer relationship with God, a deeper relationship with God than we ever have. So don't stop at confessing known sins. Move on from there with the very prayer that the psalmist has given us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. All right, so that's the prayer. Lord, I've confessed all the known sin that I have. Lord, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have done that. Lord, I should have had a better attitude. I shouldn't have been so cranky and so short-tempered. Lord, I shouldn't have been so demeaning. And you confess these things as you remember them. And then I want you to pause and pray. Lord, would you search my heart and reveal to me anything 
that I have missed that is coming between yourself and me. Reveal to me anything that has become a wall or a barrier between us so that I might get rid of it, confess it, and be free from it. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. This is the psalmist's concern. And one of man's greatest failings is his inability to see his own failings. One of man's greatest faults is his inability to see his own faults. And so to soften our hearts, and as our, so our hearts soften, we should desire God to do deep heart work in our lives. This is the next step in our progress. Search me, O oh God, show me my heart, and lead me in your ways. That's the importance when we say things that are out of alignment with you. Well, I don't just want to confess them. I don't just want to be forgiven. I don't just want to be cleansed. I want to be now led in a new and living and life-giving, joyful direction. The psalmist here, as an aside, shows a concern for his troubled mind. Our sins often lead to troubled minds. Our sins lead to anxiety. Our sins can lead to depression. Again, that's not to say that anxiety and depression are always a result of sin. Certainly not but they can contribute. And you might find that as you lift the load of sin, both known and unknown, that you might find your heart and your mind freer and freer than they have ever, ever been. So we confess known sin. We confess sins that are revealed to us as we pray this prayer, search me, O God. We give them to God. We ask for a cleansing, and we ask him to lead us. And then finally we do this. We trust him. We trust him and we move on. We trust him and we move on. This is so absolutely imperative, indispensable, important, whatever I word you want to use there. We cannot develop a close personal walk with God. We cannot, we cannot bask in the personal presence of God. We cannot have this incredibly malleable and soft heart if we don't trust him and move on. One of the most difficult things for me when I went away to my counseling retreat was when I was confronted with a, with a, with a sin that I had experienced when I was about 10 years old. I've been praying for God to reveal my heart, to open me up, to show me things that were out of alignment. And there was this thing that I had actually known and buried, and it was just grating away at me. And as I began to pray about it, and I began to work with this, I realized that as a 10-year-old, which is bizarre because you're just a kid, but that this failing had stayed with me all of my life. And that even though I had confessed it, I wasn't trusting God to forgive me of it. I wasn't trusting God to wash it away and to cleanse me of it. Now, you might be listening and say, you were 10 years old. What does it matter? What matters is the lack of trust that I was exhibiting. It could be when I was 10 years old or it could be when uh, 10 days ago. 
It doesn't matter when you have fallen or when you have failed. What matters is if you're not trusting God to forgive you and cleanse you of that sin, you will stay bound by it and it will severely limit your joy because it becomes a barrier between you and the presence of the Lord. Remember, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Uh, and also remember this, faith is what pleases God. Faith is what pleases God. So if we confess our sins to him, and yet we keep going back to those sins, uh, not as far as participating in them, but wallowing in them, self-pity engulfs us, walking in this guiltiness, in this shamefulness, even though we have confessed it, we're exhibiting a lack of trust in the love and sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice, the love of God and the potency of Jesus' sacrifice. And so that's the, that's the importance of this last point. Trust him and move on. Trust him and move on. Uh, trust him and move on. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, the, listen, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. So when I say trust him and move on, it can be counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. We need to uh, put ourselves on this guilt trip. We need to feel the shame. We need to batter ourselves and and, and, and just abuse ourselves for what we have done. And, and we shouldn't be able to just confess and go on with joy. We need to pay for this somehow. But the reality is Jesus has already paid for it. And your mourning, right? Your, your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to sorrow. That is for a moment, or two or three, or four or five. But it's not for a lifetime. It's for the time where you're confessing your sin. It's, for, it's that time where, as you're praying, search me, O God, that he's revealing things to you that previously you had buried. Allow the weight of that to bring sorrow in your heart so you can sincerely confess it. But once you've confessed it and asked for a cleansing, trust him and move on. It's counterintuitive, but it's so true. It's essential to living a godly life. It's essential to living a life of joy. It's essential to living a life of victory. See, the joy that comes from the presence of the Lord and the pleasures from his right hand, those things free us from bondage to sin. See, Moses said, in Hebrews chapter 11, actually, the, the author of Hebrews said this of Moses, that he rejected the pleasures of sin for a season so that he could enjoy the presence of God for eternity. 
Um, there is something enjoyable about sin. If there wasn't, no one would do it, right? Um, but the reality is the joy of the Lord, the joy that comes from a softened heart and walking in the presence of God daily is far superior to the temporary feeling that sin can give us. And of course, that's the deception that the enemy pours out on us all the time, is that to walk with God and to follow him will lead you to a place where you won't enjoy life, where life will be a drag and it will be gray and drab and, and, and sorrowful and lonely. And it's the exact opposite. A life that is walking with God, where you've confessed your sin, where you're asking him to search you and you're getting into alignment with his word and will, is a life that is in the presence of God and that is filled with a joy that the world and that sin can never give you. It's incomparable. It's incomparable. It doesn't compare. And so I want you to trust him. Again, knowledge leads to faith. Faith is trust. Knowledge leads to faith. So the more we know about God, his character, his nature, his love for us, and yes, his desire for us to have joy and pleasures forevermore, right? The more power we will have to reject those things that are temporary, that drag us down and drag us away, that hurt ourselves and that hurt others. So to sum up, as you go through your week, every day, I challenge you, get up in the morning, whether you do it in silence or whether you put some instrumental music on, pray, bring yourself into the presence of God and say, Lord, here are the things that I know of, the things I remember, the things I did, thought, or how I acted and behaved, my attitude, Lord, and confess those to God. Confess them freely, come into alignment with God. Even if you don't feel it, do it. Faith over feelings. Look, I might not feel like confessing this sin. I might not feel like I can be free from this sin. Confess it anyways. You know it's wrong. Act on it. Lord, I shouldn't have said that, done that, thought that, felt that. Lord, I ask that you forgive me for that. And now, as you're going through that morning, say, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. Are there things there that maybe I've buried or maybe that have become habitual to me that, that I'm not even noticing anymore. Search me, O God, know my heart and reveal to me any wickedness, anything that is out of alignment with you. Search me, reveal it to me, and then pause, just pause. Because now you're cooperating with God and remember, he is on your side. He's on your side, so Lord, search my heart. Now pause. Pause for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. You don't have to make things up when you're asking God to reveal things to you. He's doing the work in your heart. If he doesn't choose to reveal anything to you in the first three or four minutes, close your prayer by saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you 
for forgiving me and for cleansing me of this sin. If he does reveal things to you, it may hurt to dig things up, but confess them with a trust that believes he will forgive you and cleanse you and that he will heal what is broken, right? So confess, search, confess, and then express gratitude. Thank you, oh God, worship him there. And you say, Lord, now fill me, fill me. We're gonna talk about this in another series on the Holy Spirit coming up. Fill me with the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning. Fill me with the presence of your Holy Spirit. That is biblical. Ephesians tells us not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Control me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me in this new way of life. Lead me in the ways everlasting. Lead me in your ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So that is the next level. That's that next step in softening the heart and getting into the presence of of God, the power of the personal presence of God. It's unbelievable, it's amazing, and oh, I wish I could just live it for you, but I can't. The only thing I can do is try to lead you to it. Now, if you're here this morning with me and you're watching online, and you've never experienced um, the joy of having your sin forgiven and having God go from your creator to your father, Jesus, going from judge to friend, if you've never experienced the forgiveness of your sin, listen, that's the very beginning of enjoying the presence of God in your life. You heard me a, a while ago when I mentioned that day back in 1987 where I recognized that I was out of alignment with God, that there were things in my life. My life, in fact, was just not in his hand, not walking with him. And I realized if I would have died, I would have gone to hell, that I would have died in my sin, unforgiven. And so I went to Jesus, and I believed that he died on the cross for my sin, and he rose from the grave. And I went to him and I asked him, forgive me of my sin, past, present, future. Cleanse my heart, give me a new life, a new way of life. And he did. He forgave me. He cleansed me. He made me a child of God. And I hope that if you haven't trusted Jesus, you'll take a moment right now as I close our, our time together in prayer. And you will ask Jesus to save your eternal soul and forgive you of your sin. You'll go to God and you'll make Jesus' sacrifice your sacrifice for your sin. God will forgive you he will give you that new way of life and he will give you an eternity with him. Christians, you have your marching orders. You know what you need to do. We need to live in the presence of God and experience a fullness of joy that will give us a persuasive story. Imagine living in the moment of your salvation, in that moment that I was talking about. Imagine living in that every day of your life. It's possible. Pray with me if, if, if you've not yet trusted Jesus. Pray with me now. Lord Jesus, I come before you. I know that I have sinned. I've not done things in accordance or in agreement with your word and your will. And I ask that you forgive me of that sin. Cleanse my heart and give me a new life. Father, God Almighty Creator, I offer to you Jesus as a sacrifice for my sin. 
and I believe that he died and rose from the grave. Make me your child. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you've placed your faith in Jesus today and you're on our Facebook page, I hope that you'll go to the top of the page where it says connect with us or contact us. Click that link. Fill out that card online and click I accepted Jesus today as my Savior. If you're watching on Church Online, right, our, our manualbaptistchurch.churchonline.org, uh, there's a place where it says live prayer. Click that button and say, hey, I prayed to trust Jesus this morning. If you're on YouTube, connect with us by emailing us or go to emmanuelhooksit.com, contact us, and share with us that you've trusted Jesus. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you. I hope that you will put into practice the things that I've shared with you today. I know that they are life-giving and that they are life-changing and that this will be the beginning of having a persuasive story to bring others the joy of Jesus. Hey, bless God, bless others. Don't forget, get out there and be the blessing. I'll see you later. Hey, y'all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.